0: We are starting a new series today leading up to Christmas uh, entitled um, Extravagant Generosity. Extravagant Generosity. As a church, I want Bethesda to be a church that is extremely uh, generous in that we would give of all the things that God would ask us to give to those around us. And uh, sometimes giving doesn't mean monetary or even a physical present, but there's other ways of giving. And, you know, last week, allowing the teenagers, the youth group, to do the service was a way for us to give them an opportunity to serve Jesus and to build us up to encourage us. And I heard from so many of the adults last week as she was going out the door just bragging about what a job the teenagers did and how amazing that is for a, the teens to stand up with boldness. Uh, their voices wasn't cracking, wasn't shaking, they just did it. And it was absolutely amazing to sit back and watch. And I've been in a lot of churches in my Christian life and I've saw youth groups perform and do skits and do different things. But I've yet to see the boldness that I saw last week. And it's an encouragement to us as adults to know that the church is in good hands. Amen? If Jesus is involved in a teenager's life and they have a gift to share to the body, uh, I thank God for Bethesda to be a church that we willingly Set back and listened intently to every word they said, the songs they sung, and uh, it's just great to get a witness that and see that in action. And they need those opportunities because if we would just always do our deal and never give them the opportunity to serve, I wonder why the church in America is losing youth at the rate they are when they won't allow them to be involved. Amen? Everybody wants to be involved in church. Everybody wants a, a. it's not about titles. It's not about positions. It's about being effective in church and uh, contributing in a way that sees fit to you. Some people, I know uh, when we was in Middlesbrough Church down in the southern part of Kentucky, that people there, some people were extremely poor. It was an impoverished area, a coal mining town that, and you know what's happened to coal in the past decade. And, and I mean, it's There was extreme poverty. And there was people that would come to the church and they would say, I don't have any money to give, but I can give you time. I can give you my gift of this or the gift that Jesus has given me of that. So it's not about money. So when we say stewardship, everybody automatically, or I do, I I can't speak for everybody, but I'm speaking for myself, and I've been around enough people that I believe that people, when you hear the word stewardship, automatically tend to think about money. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, those things that when you say stewardship. But I want to tell you today that you have a lot more to steward than your money. There is more precious gifts that God has given you than your wallet, than your checkbook. And I want us to look at that and think through that a little bit through these next four weeks leading up to Christmas. And I really look forward to our Christmas Eve service, the one we do uh, before Christmas on that uh, Sunday night is going to be awesome. It always is. And just looking forward to that. And please come out and uh, bring people with you. We usually have a full house when we do that. And it's just an awesome opportunity for you to invite somebody to come with you. People will come, they say they're church CEOs. You've probably heard of church CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. That's, that's a church CEO. So <laughs> invite somebody. They may just come on Christmas with you. I want us to read a verse, a few verses, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is Paul talking to his beloved son. He calls his son in the spirit uh, Timothy. Paul didn't have children of his own, but he had children that he saw come to the knowledge of Jesus, and he considered them his kids. So it's kind of like me. I consider your kids my kids. I'm just glad to get to go home with you. (laughs) Verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in the world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hope on riches which are uncertain but on God who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Look at your neighbor and say, you're supposed to enjoy life. That wasn't very convincing. You sound like a gloomy, doomy bunch. I said something about enjoyment. So look at your neighbor, smile real big, pat him on the shoulder, give him a good pat on the back, and say, life is for enjoying. Enjoy it a little bit. It's Christmas. Amen. Verse 18, tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others. In this way they will, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay a hold of what truly is life. So Paul is speaking here and he's telling people, yes, there's riches, yes, there's earthly riches He's commanded Timothy, he's telling Timothy, please, Timothy, the ones that's in the church that has resources available, tell them don't be haughty about it. Don't be high-minded about it. Do not set their hope on those riches. The Bible also says that beauty is fleeting, right? That there's often things that the more we go through life, the more we find out how unimportant it is. But on God which provides us with all things for our enjoyment what has he provided you lately and as i'm thinking about this and looking through these verses and thinking about extravagant generosity as a church if we're going to have extravagant generosity during the christmas season i believe one thing that is it says here that god gives us these things for our enjoyment the root word in that is joy Joy. So in this joy that we're going to talk about, and I want us to think outside the box here a little bit. as we're thinking about stewardship and we're thinking about this, this extravagant generosity that we're going to think outside the box a little bit and think about joy. Has God given you joy? Do you have any joy at all in your life? Because if you don't, you need to reevaluate your life to back up to this scripture to where it says God gives you all things for your enjoyment. Everybody say all things. things. That means everything. That means the good. That means the bad. That means the pretty. That means the ugly. He gives you all of that. So that you can have joy. Now that just don't make much sense. Amen? He gives us all things for our enjoyment. You mean I'm supposed to enjoy bad news? You mean I'm supposed to enjoy when I lose my job? You mean I'm supposed to enjoy it when my bank account and I get a statement from the bank that says I overdrafted? Yeah, you should enjoy that. Because the minute you start enjoying things and having joy in your life, those things don't really matter. Amen? If we would look at life and think, God has given me the breath to breathe, and I'm going to enjoy this thing. I'm going to enjoy this journey. Man, how awesome is it that we're getting to set in a country than freedom today to come in and worship ever how we please. And sure, Leslie can tell us to raise her hand, and I sit there thinking, I don't want to raise my hand. Anybody? I don't want to raise my hand. Who's she to tell me to raise my hand? She's the worship leader. She's trying to lead us in worship, right? So I was sitting there and reluctantly, I said, well, might as well just go ahead and raise my hand, I guess. Sometimes you've got to do what you don't want to do. Amen? Sometimes you have to go through things that you don't want to have to go through. But the Bible says endure all these things. To have perseverance. Amen. To march like a good soldier. And in the midst of the battle, it's not about knowing the whole 30,000 foot view whenever you're in the army. Your job is to perform your task and do what you're called to do. So in the church, as we look around, and you may look around, and the Bible says don't be envious of one another. Amen. don't look over at our neighbor that's going through a great time in their life, and you're sitting here going through some situations, and you're thinking, why me? Don't be envious of them. Don't look over and say, Man, I wish I could trade places with them. So, as I think about this, the joy. So, I want us to do it and look at it from outside the box of this song that Leslie sung today. The first song Joy to the World. I'm not going to sing. I'm going to save you that pain. I don't want you to have to endure that. It would bring you great joy, though. Everybody in here would be laughing. Joy to the world. I know we can all sing it, but do we live it? Do you hear what I said? I know we can all sing it, but do we live it? As we're living in this life and living a Christian life and committing our life to Jesus and, 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 and going out and promoting and announcing to the world through water baptism or, or our Christian witness on our daily life, do people truly see joy in the church? Do you know that you're an ambassador of Jesus to your job site? The place where you work? Do you know the friends that you hang out with that are not Christians, that you are an ambassador of Jesus to those friends? Do they see joy? So it's this song, Joy to the World, are we living it out? Are we acting it out on a daily basis? But I love it in the verses that we read there in Timothy Paul tells Timothy to tell them to do good. How many you ever told your kids, be good? Amen. Be good. You need to start telling them, do good. There's a difference in being good and doing good. Amen? So as we think about that and put this into this verse that we're reading here, to do good, tell them to do good. He didn't say tell them to be good. He said tell them to do good. So the next time your kids are acting up and acting out or doing something you don't want them to do, don't tell them to be good because that's basically telling them to shut up. That's telling them to be quiet, right? Because wherever you say be good, you're actually meaning shut up for a minute. Give me some peace. Amen? I want some quiet. But kids need to be kids. Whenever the kids was running up here a while ago, and I looked over and Brantley was laying there with his feet up on the wall and Liam looked at his big brother and like, man, I want to be like him. So he goes up there and he flops upside down backwards, his feet up on the wall. And I know that we could go over and beat him and get over there with your dad. What's wrong with you, boy? And be good. I'd rather them do good. Amen? They've got a little bit of energy. How many would like to have some of that? Glory to God. God, give us some energy. Amen. Let us be like them. Watch little Grayson run up here and dump his change in there and grab his buddy barrel and take off and wearing his Christmas lights. and it, Man, you talk about joy. It's a picture of joy. So we just quit, need to quit telling our kids to be good. We need to start telling them to do good. And whenever we tell them to do good, we need to show them how to do good. Amen? Amen? Don't just expect them to sit on the the church pew like a knot on a log. Allow them to do good. Allow them to bring joy to some elderly person in the room's heart by going up and giving them a hug. Do good is different than being good. So this song, Joy to the World. I'm imploring you today to do good. I don't want you to be joy. I want you to do joy. Because there's a difference in being joyous inside and not letting any of it come out and never telling about the goodness of God and walking out throughout life and people knowing, man, look what they're doing. As a church, we want to be known as a church that does things. That's not just is a thing. We're more than a building. We're more than just a congregation of believers. We're a church that is on the move. I really believe that. the Bethesda does things that others don't do. And sure, we think outside the box. And sure, we do some oddball things. And sure, some people talk about us like this or like that. But so be it. I'm not worried about what they think. I'm worried about what I'm doing. Amen? And if I'm doing what God has called us to do, if you and I together join together in this agreement and go out and be the church that God's called us to be and do the things he's called us to do, the world will see and they will recognize the gift that God has given Bethesda. And it's a gift of a group of saints living life together, enjoying life and promoting the kingdom of God on this earth. So as I think about this, I start, the way I am with history and everything, I, I can't stand to not know some things. So I, I start, you know, Joy to the World. That's, that's a song I want to talk about. And, and I, I wanted to do a musical and have a big theatric play. And No, not really, but if I'm going to do Joy to the World and talk about it, I want to know the history of it, right? I want to know where did that come from, who wrote it, why did they do it, what, what was he writing about, and what was he going through? So this, this Englishman, his name was Isaac Watts. I think it's in 1719 that was, this was first published. And it was actually a poem. So Joy to the World was not a song. It was a poem that he wrote. And he wrote it from, he, he was reading uh, Psalms 98 and Psalms 96. And he puts those two together and he writes this poem And he puts them in a book, and he he writes a bunch of them. He's, He's really the forerunner to the hymns that we know today. He's one of the great hymnal writers, but he was writing poems that later on people would take his poem and compose music and put the music to it and make it a song. So as he was writing this, I was thinking, you know, back in 1714, that was a long time ago. And it wasn't a joyous life. In the Middle Ages and all these things that was going on and society was in turmoil and and just nations were fighting and wars and and all this stuff was happening and churches were fighting and this was, you know, shortly after the revolution and and really where the the church had had come and and, and even there was a, a place of Protestant churches. And a Protestant church, that's what we are. And the root word is to protest. We're protesting the Catholic Church. Because the, protest, the Catholic Church back in those days would sell you items, and Martin Luther didn't like it. He didn't like to have to pay for repentance. How would you like that? If today we said the only way you can be saved is if you come up and you bring your checkbook, and it costs this much money to get salvation today. Everybody say that's worth protesting. I think God's gift of salvation is free. I think he sent Jesus here for free. No matter what we've got to give back, he gave Jesus for us no matter what we're able to conjure up in this life. It doesn't matter what our wallets is made of. It matters what did God do. He gave his son. So I, I was just thinking from this guy's perspective and sitting here, and I can imagine him with a little candle flickering and, and, and just thinking back to this little bitty old room that he may have been in. And he, he loved books, and he loved studying, and he loved this, uh, just reading. And he's sitting here, and he's reading this Psalms 98, and as he comes across this, and he, he begins to put words down. Joy to the world. Isn't that a good line to start with? Just that alone. You don't have to go farther than that. What's the next words, Leslie? The Lord has come. Wow. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. So as we look at that and think about that song, he's pinning this down thinking about Jesus and thinking about the Bible. The last sermon series we did, it says, I hath not seen, right? How long has it been since you contemplated and dug in and meditated on the Word of God? Maybe you need to do that. Get in a dark room somewhere, light you a little candle and sit there by a flickering light and get you a notepad out and sit down with it and just sit there and think for a minute and ponder and think on these things. The Bible says whatsoever things are pure that are lovely or all these things, think on these, Paul says. Because the more you think on these things, it doesn't matter what you're going through or what kind of room you're sitting in. Then your mind begins to imagine, and that's where joy comes from. So if you don't have joy today, and if you feel like, man, I would like to have more, I'm telling you and urging you today to do this. To sit back, relax, and depend on God's Word to be the foundation that the song that we just sung said. Can you imagine this guy writing this down? It's the number one printed Christmas carol in the world. Joy to the world. But here's the funny thing it's not even about Christmas. You know that? It's not even about Christmas at all. And if you read through the lyrics of it and think about them a little bit, you'll see that he's writing about the second coming of Jesus. That hasn't happened yet. He's not writing about the first coming because it says he's king, right? In the song? Jesus didn't come as a king the first time. That's what his disciples wanted him to be. What did Jesus come as the first time? A servant. Amen? He come as a willing servant to humanity to show us a life in the flesh, God in the flesh. The next time he comes back, he's not going to be a humble servant. He's not going to allow them to beat him with a cat of nine tails. He's not going to hang on a cross again. He's coming back this time as king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. Amen. He's going to have the earth and all of its dominion is going to be under his power. And if you read through the song, Joy to the World, you'll see that. That it's talking about the second coming of Jesus. So here we sing a song about the second coming and apply it in our hearts to think that because it's always being sung that way, that it's about Christmas. And I'm not telling you not to sing it. Amen. Go ahead and sing Joy to the World. There's nothing wrong with anticipating Jesus' soon return to the earth. Because the more you think about that, the more joy you'll have thinking, man, it's going to be a better place. Won't the earth be better when Jesus sets his foot upon those mountains and he rules and reigns for a thousand years here with us? And we get to see all that. It's going to be a glorious day. You want to witness that. It'll bring you joy when you think about that. So it's kind of crazy thinking that. Outside the box, right? Study history. Because sometimes the things you think you believe is something you think or something you've been taught by somebody without doing research. Bible says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul tells Timothy that, 2.15. Study to show yourself approved. I didn't know this until I read this here just recently. We still have to study, no matter how far we come, no matter how much we get into life, no matter how long we've been saved, and Ernie, you've been saved for a long, long, long time, right? What year was that? 1982. That's been a while, and Ernie has, still has to learn, amen? We still should dig in. We should not ever think, well, man, I've arrived. I've attained the place of where, man, I've just got the whole book memorized, and I know it all, and nobody's going to teach me anything else. Wake up in the morning and think, man, I've got to find these hidden treasures of God's Word, and it brings me joy. It brings me great joy. Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and exhorting one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with all grace in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in saying that, I want us to go through, at the beginning of the year, we're going to do a A program together as a church and it's a 40-day program it's called the red letter challenge and we've already bought the books and and there's workbooks to go through and we're going to give each household the workbook to go through and and there's uh, children's church material that the kids are going to go through here and the youth groups going to do it during the youth group uh, that is a a study during their time and we're going to do this as a church-wide thing for 40 days and it's strictly looking at the red letters of Jesus in the New Testament and I really look forward to this and we're, some people will do the fast if you want to do the Daniel fast starting the first 21 days we do that about every year you're, you're more than welcome to do that but we're going to do this. the priority this year for me for the church is to put this out that we're going to do 40 days of intentional dwelling on the words of Jesus. How many would like to apply what Jesus said? Amen. Amen? And I don't want it to be so confusing that you think you have to memorize the whole Bible. I want you to us look at the red letters of Jesus and let it apply to our heart. I'm anxious for it. I, I'm I'm geared up and socked up, ready. We've already bought the books and we got them at the house, and I, I'm waiting for the new year to get here so that we can get this to you and in your hand. We're gonna do some. Uh, there'll be uh, small group discussions and things going on too. So it's gonna be for forty days. There's all kinds of places in the Bible that talks about 40-day events. There's 40-day fast. Jesus fasted with only water for 40 days. Maybe you could try to go through that with this 40-day red letter challenge. Good luck with that. (laughs) I can barely go 21 with just vegetables and that kind of stuff. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So as we look through this 40-day period, it's going to change Bethesda for the year to come. And I believe 2020 is a big year for us. I'm anxious and excited for what God's going to do in 2020. It's twofold. We're going to study the history and we're going to look for future. So, in thinking about this, there's one one verse that anytime I hear the word joy in church, this is a verse that automatically comes to my mind. That it's a quote that everybody quotes all the time when you say joy. You can go to any Church in Lewis County, I'm sure today, and say the word joy, and somebody in that church is going to quote this verse to you. And it's just the last part of it they quote, actually. It's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with the people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be de- dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you feel weak in this place today, if you feel burdened in this place today, if you feel like you're weak in this place today, know this, that the joy of the Lord will bring you strength. And... In this context of what this is about, Nehemiah is this guy, and we've done a sermon series on this a few years ago, and this is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, Nehemiah. He, he's the guy that goes back and rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And as he goes back and rebuilds these walls, he, he gets there, and Ezra comes in, and, and, and they go through this process to building these walls. And as he gets these walls built around Jerusalem that had been torn down, and he had actually been living in exile, he was a prisoner of war. And he gets to go home. So as he goes home, think about the joy that would be in your heart getting to come home. I can think about this from my grandpa's perspective, right, Aunt Mary? That, That my grandpa was a prisoner of war for three and a half years during World War II. And he got liberated by the bombs that went off in Japan. When the two bombs dropped, he was a halfway point between the two of those bombs. And eventually, American ships come rolling up, and they come in, the the, uh, army soldiers come in, and they liberate them. They come in these camps, and they cut down the barbed wire, and they lead these prisoners of war out. Most of them weighing 70 to 90 pounds. And think about getting on that ship with food, with clothing. You can look back through uh, pictures of this, of of what they lived through. Most of them only had like a loincloth on. They never even had clothes Can you imagine getting on that boat and thinking, I get to go home. I get to go home. And then setting foot on American soil. And there's a lot of pictures of them when they get off the boat, that they'll get off the boat and they'll kiss the ground in America. So honored just to get to return home. Think of the joy of that getting to come home. Nehemiah had that joy when he got to come home and build that wall. But as he builds this wall, he tells Ezra, begin to read some of the Bible that you found. And, and as they dug all this stuff up, they begin to find pieces, pieces of Old Testament scripture. And he told Ezra, begin to read this. And as he began to read it, the children of Israel, it said, "Begin to weep and cry because they hadn't heard it so long. And he told them, he said, don't cry. Don't be sad the joy of the Lord is your strength how strong are you today James chapter 1 verse 2 says count it all joy brothers when you fall into temptation And as I looked up the word joy this week and began to study through it and look through all through the New Testament, you can do this too. Just do a word search on the the word joy in the Bible. Most of the time, a majority of the time, it's always attached to suffering, to pain, to sorrow, to all these things. And study it. I'm telling you, go through it. Because God gives joy to those that are enduring these things because he wants you to get through it. Whatever battle you're facing today, I'm telling you, God gives you joy so he can get through it because it's your strength. The Bible says that laughter is like a medicine. Sometimes you got to laugh in the middle of the storm. Amen. Watch a funny movie. Do something to laugh when you're going through things. Won't you stand? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. If you bow your head and close your eyes, I want to ask you a very simple question in this place today. Pray that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you during this message. Is your joy full? If you had a, like your gas tank in your car, has a, a reading on it. You've got a, a sensor in the tank, and it's got a wire that comes up through to your dash, and it tells you the level of your tank. Is your tank full? Because if it's not, it needs to be. And I pray this Christmas season that that God would give you so much joy. That as King David said, my cup overflows. And I pray that as that joy comes in your heart that it would flow over and it would reach out and it would touch others. There's people in our community that are going through some dire situations. There's people on your job sites that are just recently went through a breakup, maybe they're going through a divorce in this moment and they, don't, they just can't see their way through the storm. They're not a Christian. And God has sent you to be an ambassador of joy to those people. Your joy needs to be full because this world, This dark, dreary world that we live in needs ambassadors of Christ. The lights of the world. So if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes. Is there anybody here that'll say, my tank is not full, but I want it to be full? If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. My tank is not full, and I want it to be full. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? I want my tank to be full so I can share the love of Jesus with others. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the work that you're doing. God, I thank you for this holiday season. And God, I pray as as Bethesda, as a church, Lord, that we would just Ask you for joy, God. Lord, that we could share with others. Lord, that we wouldn't hold it within our hearts just for us, but Lord, that we would share it. And God, I know you said in Luke chapter 2 that there was joy. Lord, that those wise men, that those shepherds, that all those, the angels rejoice, God, that there was joy when you came the first time. And God, I know there will be joy when you come the second time. But God, I pray for joy to be present in this time, in this season, for us as a church. Help us to be extravagant and generous, God, with the joy that you've given us. Lord, that we would be the light that you've called us to be to our community. Let joy awaken in your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.